0: Thanks for listening to our Market Street podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more information, visit us at MarketStreetChurch.org. Good morning. Good to see all of you. Merry Christmas! And boy, we are just in in it now. We aren't we? We're just it's the holiday season has started and and the craziness is about to begin. Right? Or if it maybe it has already for you. If you're watching online. I just want to welcome you to our online viewers. And so we are starting a brand new series. If you're here with us today, your perfect time to be with us. We're starting a brand new series that we call Christmassy. Christmassy. And we spell that a little bit a little bit different. Christmas is a little messy sometimes, isn't it? A little messy, especially if you're in a household like mine. have got four kids and they like your kids like to receive presents, I guess. And with presents comes wrapping paper, and with opening presents, there's a lot of wrapping paper on the floor. We go to my parents' house on uh, Christmas Eve, and there's 10 grandkids, and all of these 10 grandkids have presents, and by the time they're done opening up their presents, you can't even see the floor, right? (laughs) As you know that we uh, waste about 25% uh, because of our wrapping paper? We there's about 25% increased in in garbage disposal uh, after after Christmas. Do you know we go through so much ribbon? We have we go through about 38,000 miles worth of ribbon in the holiday holiday season. You know that's enough to wrap around the whole earth and put a bow around it if we wanted to. It's it's messy. We we Christmas time is. Is messy, and, uh, and and for some of us, you know, Christmas is is, me- is more messy than it, than it is merry, uh, for for some of us, and and uh, and so that's really what we're we we're, we're talking about. You know, Christmas isn't Christmassy; it's Christmassy is what is what it can look like for for some of us. And so, you know, maybe for you, you're you're thinking about you know man, I've got, I've got some things in, in, in my life that, I, that I'm dealing with. You know, it doesn't always feel you know, merry to me. It sort of just seems kind of messy to me. You, maybe you, ha, you know, have some family dynamics that are challenging for you and, and uh, you, you're not really thinking about you know, the joy of Christmas. You're thinking about some of the grief of Christmas and and uh, some, of the, some of you are experiencing you know some hurts and pains and loss around this this time of year that that just sort of make it sort of messy maybe a family dynamic you know you're traveling around different places and dealing with different family dynamics that, that make it seem kind of not so much merry but so kind of kind of little a little messy. And, uh, and that's the way that some of you think of Christmas in that way. You don't think of it as, as exciting or thrilling, but you think of it as sort of, you know, difficult and challenging. And, and, and there's different things about Christmas that bring up, you know, memories for you, and it's, and it's tough. Did you know that that's probably a more of an accurate description? Of, of the story of, of Christmas, of the story of the birth of Jesus, it, it, more than it was organized and, and more than it was exciting and more than it was thrilling, it was kind of messy. It was kind of messy it was it wasn't the way that you would imagine it to be it wasn't you know all just sort of this perfect you know scene or the scenario you know like we see in sort of a nativity scene you know everything looks nice and beautiful and glorious and there's angels over it and all those things but that's not the scene that's not the setting it was very very Messy and Christmas is is messy in in that way. So as we go through the, uh, you know this series over the next few weeks, I just want us to you know come around that. As a matter of fact, you know around the time of Jesus' birth, the uh, the God's people, the Jewish people, are under uh, oppression. They're under the captivity of the of the Romans. You know they're considered to be slaves. They're you know they have their freedoms. They have their abilities you know to do certain things. But for the most part, they were considered to be to be slaves as a matter of fact also around the time of the birth of Jesus nobody heard from God at all for about 400 years it was about 400 years that there was no word from God no no prophets speaking no no prophets giving words of encouragement or or trying to motivate God's people to you know to honor God in their life there was nothing there was it was absolute void so here you have Jesus coming in in, into the into the world, and you have his people, God's people, under oppression, and you have no word from God for four hundred years or so, and it was it made it for a very very challenging, a very very difficult time. Christmas in the scriptures was extremely extremely messy, and so I want to just look at a story in the scripture and. Uh, and in, in, in the story of the scripture, it begins when Luke 1:26 says, "Now in the sixth month, of the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city uh, in Galilee called called Nazareth." And it says that to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and in the virgin's name. Uh, was was married. So there's a couple things that for, within this story that I want us to look at. It says that they were engaged. Mary and Joseph were engaged. Uh, engagement was a little bit more uh, in, you know involved than than maybe our traditional engagement or our cultural engagement looked like. For them, engagement was that they were they were chosen. They were in, you know arranged. Their their marriages were arranged. And so they were chosen, you know, who would marry who, you know, who would get married to who. And so they were chosen. And then after they were chosen, you know, there was a dowry given. There was there was some money exchanged to the father uh, for, you know, the hand of his daughter in marriage. And so there was a. and then with that came a certificate. You know, similar to today, there's, you know, there's a certificate, you know, that, that is written, that you know, it makes you legally married. Well, there was a certificate that made them legally engaged, and it was a little bit more involved than a, you know, than a promise ring or an engagement ring. There was actually legal documentation involved in the engagement. So here we pick it up in the story, and we have Mary and Joseph who are engaged. They were, you know, Joseph, you know, and, and, and Mary were, you know, arranged to be married together and th- then there was a certificate that was signed and they were they were engaged you know and, and then what would happen is about 12 months later there would be a ceremony and then they would consummate the marriage and so and, and, it, and that's how that worked within within that culture but here you see within this this story you see you know that the, an angel was sent, to, uh, you know, a place in, in a city called Nazareth, you know, and, and we later learned about Nazareth. Nazareth was a place that sort of like wasn't a well-known, well-recognized place, you know. It was kind of, you know, kind of a podunk kind of town kind of a thing, you know. Uh, no Nobody of prominence. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that or not, but I did. Um, kind of a, a place, it wasn't a place of prominence whatsoever. It was just a little, a little small town, Nazareth. As a matter of fact, somebody completely you know, was discredited Jesus and his ministry. Why? Because they knew or they heard that he came from Nazareth. You know, and somebody even said, one of Jesus' earliest followers said, what good, what good comes from Nazareth? What good comes out of the town of Nazareth? So this was their sort of their mindset. This was their view of, of Nazareth. And then here God comes to to Mary, and you know, and, and tells Mary this this great news. You know, and 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 here's here's the thing about this. I mean, Mary was just nothing nothing special. About Mary, there was no, you know, no, no, anything about Mary that made her special. I mean, again, she lived in Nazareth. You know, she was engaged to a man who was just a carpenter. You know, and um, and God comes to Mary. And here's the the here's the the common thread. I think here's the common thread for Mary and for all of us and for anybody in the scriptures is is this that God often invites the least likely people. That God often invites the least likely people in the least likely places into his story. I mean, this is, this is I hope you know, is the, is the common thread in how God works, that God often invites the least likely people in the least likely places into his, his grand and amazing story. I mean, we think about people in the scriptures, you think about Abraham and Sarah. You know, God came to Abraham and Sarah and said, Abraham, I'm going to make a great nation through you. You know, and and through your seed, all the nations of this world are going to be blessed. And Abraham's response was, and even Sarah later laughed about it and said, "We're old, we're old. Like, how are you? How is this going to happen?" You know, even Abraham was, you know, kind and politically correct about it. Abraham goes, "I'm old, and my my wife is advanced in years." Like guys, this is this is these are things to learn. These are things to pick up in the scriptures. Okay, like he, he they were they were just old, you know. And 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 God goes, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a great nation out of you. And 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 that's what God did. I mean Moses. I mean God came to Moses and said, Moses, I'm gonna my people are under oppression in Egypt, and I want you to deliver them out of out of oppression. And Moses is going, God, but listen, I just. Murdered some people, you know, and and I have a stuttering problem. Like I can't talk, I can't speak, I can't lead anybody. I have a speech impediment. I'm I, I not, I'm not qualified for this, but God chooses the most le- least likely people, and He invites those into His. Story. I mean, we can go on and on and on. We can talk about Ruth. Ruth was a Moabite. God God and, and the Moabites and the Jews hadn't wanted nothing to do with each other, but yet God used Ruth in an amazing way. God came to you know to use Rahab, and we all know what who Rahab was. There's young children in the room, so we won't talk about it. But there we God uses the most least likely people and invites them into His story. I mean, David. David. I mean, David. I mean, even though David was a was a king and a a, you know a man after God's own heart, but David, when when he was going to be appointed to be king, do you know David wasn't even invited into the house for the prophet to say which one of Jesse's sons was going to be king? He invited everybody else. Jesse invited all of his boys into the house to see who was going to be the next king of Israel. And he didn't, his own father didn't even invite David into the lineup. And the prophet's going, Where's, do you have any more sons? And, 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 and Jesse's like, well, yeah, I've got David, but he's out tending the sheep. There's no way he'll be the next king. And the prophet said, bring him in here. And David came in smelling like sheep, you know, kind of a according to the scriptures, a rudy-looking kind of a guy, whatever that means. And he came into the house, and the prophet goes, this is God's man. This is, this is God's man. Out of all the brothers, he was the least likely. His own father didn't invite him in. This is the story. This is the story of, of, of God. This is, so maybe for you, you're like, I don't know about me. I don't know if God can use me. I don't know. I've, my, my past and you know, the things that I've been involved with and, and you know, where I'm at in my life, the state, all these things, all these excuses that we like to come up with, but none of those matter to God at all. As a matter of fact, God has you know, enjoys using the least likely of people. God loves using the least likely people. He loves handpicking people that think, I, I don't measure up. I'm not good enough. I haven't come from the best place. I, haven't, I have you know, a sketchy, you know, checkered, checkered pass. I'm not good enough. And, and God's going, that's exactly who I want to use. You know why God wants to do this? This is to keep us kind of humble. God says, I want to use you. I want to use the least likely people because I'll get the most glory out of that. Because nobody else will think I use them because they're, you know, well to, you know, put together. That I use them because they have great education. That I use them because of whatever, you know, thing you have going for you. God says, I like to use the people that are least likely because I will get the most glory out of them. But I want to invite them into the story. And that's what the story of, story of Christmas is about. It's about God coming to the least likely of little girls. Say, I'm going to do something great. I'm going to do something incredible. I'm going to do something amazing in and through you. And he comes and he says in verse 28, And coming in. He said to her, greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. That, that, That phrase favored one means greatly graced. Greatly graced. In other words, he's saying, greetings, the one who is greatly graced. Because the Lord is is with you. By the way, all of us in this room, you're favored. You're a favored one. You are. God looks at you and goes, listen, I'm, you are greatly graced. Now, grace is unmerited favor, isn't it? Grace is, I don't deserve it, but I get love anyways. Grace is, I didn't earn it, but I get compassion anyways. Grace is, I don't deserve it, but I get God's kindness anyways. I get God's favor regardless because that's the kind of God we serve. And for you, you're favored and you're greatly graced. And he looked at, told Mary, hey, tell her, angel, tell her she's favored. Let her know. That the Lord is with her. Let her know that. Because she's going to need to know that here based on what I'm just going to tell her about what I'm going to do through her. But she was, look at look it says. But she was very perplexed. And that word perplexed means she was very troubled at the statement. And kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. So here you hear you see in this Mary's like she's troubled she's perplexed she's it's it's now she's starting to sense this is now gonna get a little messy here in, in my life I I know God's inviting me into His story but you know oftentimes when God invites us into His story it's it's it sometimes gets a little a little messy and so she's troubled by this and she's afraid. And she, he says to her, Mary, for you have, you have found favor with God. And then he tells her, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. And then she says, and he will be great and will be called the son of the most high, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? How, how can this be? How is this going to work? How is this going to go over within my culture? How is this going to go over with my family? How is this going to go over with my engagement to, to Joseph? How, how, can this, how can this work? Here's what she knew. She knew that, man, This news this news was going to get messy for me. She knew that this was gonna to be tough for her. She knew that she was gonna to have to go through stuff. And she was probably, probably worried about and troubled by the fact that she would be disowned by her family. She was troubled and worried by the fact that she was gonna be, you know, maybe her, her, you know, her Joseph, who she was engaged to, that he was gonna, you know, let her go, that he was gonna walk away from her. And to try to explain what was going to happen to the people that, you know, were in her life. I mean, how challenging and how messy that would be. And so she's, how can this work? How am I going to, and also, I mean, think about this. At that time, there was laws set up for those who committed adultery, for those who fornicated. There was laws set up. You know what they were? that they were anybody who fornicated, they were legally, legally allowed to be stoned to death. I mean, this had deadly, literally, deadly consequences to this. Of course she's troubled. Of course she's afraid. Of course she's not understanding how is this going to work for me. And he begins to tell her, he says, listen, I just want you to know And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child should be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age and she was called barren and is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. Let me say that again. For nothing will be impossible with God. For nothing will be impossible with God. We'll get back to that in a second. And Mary said, look at, look at Mary's responses. And Mary said, behold, the bond slave of the Lord. Wait a minute, wait a minute. After knowing, after all of the things that she has to understand what possibly could happen to her, all the things that she's realizing, this could be trouble for me. And this is troubling all the things that she was thinking, how, how she's going to have to try to explain this. I mean, can you imagine telling your you know, parents, listen, um, uh, an angel came to me at night, told me that I'm going to conceive God's son, and um, I, so that's why I'm pregnant, mom and dad. And do you think, I mean, come on, if your kid said that to you, do you think you would buy that? You'd be like, as a parent, you'd be like, you got to come up with something better than this. You're telling me that you're going to conceive a child and it's God's child? And you're going to remain a virgin? You're Come on, come on, come on. You're going to have to come up with a better story than this. And she's now realizing, this is what I've got to do. But her response was amazing. Look, she says, behold, I'm the bond slave. I'm a bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to what you say must happen. I mean, wow, what what response? I mean, for me, I'm like, well, I don't know, God. I, I like the way that things are going, like, do you know the idea of, of the fact that it was, would, would recognize her as a virgin was because it was not necessarily the fact that she just never, you know, was involved in, in any kind of sexual relationship, but it also involved the fact that she was a, was a stage in her life. It was a stage in her life, that her life was set for her. It was, it was just sort of, re, you know, reminding us in the story, you know, that she was sort of past her childhood stage, and yet it was sort of before her you know t- time where she would you know get married it was sort of in the stage did you know that within that stage within that life stage she was probably between the ages of we don't really know for sure but probably most likely be between the ages of 12 and 15 years old i mean she was a middle schooler for crying out loud i mean i've got two middle schoolers and they weren't they're not nearly ready for that not even close I mean, talk about responsibility. And here she is. She's hearing this information. She's trying to process this somewhere between an age of 12 and 15 years old, understanding what's going to happen to her. And her response is not, I don't think so. Oh, I don't know. Maybe ask somebody else. I'm just not mature enough for this yet. No, her response was, I'm a bond slave. I'm your servant. You're my master. And as a servant, whatever you say goes. Whatever you want, I'm already saying yes to. Whatever that means for me, I'll accept it because I'm your servant. I'm your bond slave. I'm the one who you're asking me to do this. I trust you will give me what I need to get through this no matter what. What a response, don't you think? What a response. Even in the mess, and even when she knew what was coming down the pipe, God, I'm your girl. God, whatever you say, you're in control. You're my master. And if this is what you want me to do, I'll do it. If this is what you want me to, to take on and carry, I'll carry it. I'll carry it. I'll do whatever it takes. You know, there was, I think, three things she understood of the reason why she said this. God, I'm your girl. I'm your, I'm your girl. God, I'm whatever, you're inviting me into this. And when you invite me into something, I know I'm the least likely and you're gonna get the most glory and it's gonna be messy, but God, I'm gonna do it anyways. I think there was already three things that she knew. There was three things that she was aware of. The first thing I think that she was aware of was was simply the fact that she knew that she needed to be a living sacrifice, that she, The best thing for her was to be a living sacrifice. Here's what it says in Romans 12:1. He says, therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. That she knew that, Here, listen, if I'm going to be a bond slave, if I'm going to be a servant, and God is my master, and, and whatever he wants, he, I'm going to do because I know he knows what's best for me, she says, I, listen, I'm gonna then be a, 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 living, a living sacrifice. I'm gonna be a living servant. And, and whatever God wants me to do, that's what I'm gonna do because that's my spiritual service of worship. That's my spiritual service of worship. That worship isn't songs that we sing. It's not you know, a place that we go to and, you know, and listen to a message. That worship is a lifestyle that we live. And it's a lifestyle that we live out of, out of obedience, That God, whatever you want me to do, that's what I'm gonna do. That's my worship. And we worship every day. We worship all the time. Worship is something that we are. It's something that we do. It's something the way that God created us to be. And it's understanding simply this. I'm a servant and he's my master. I'm a servant and he's in control. And whatever he wants, that's what I'm gonna do. And this is what she decided. Why? Because here's what she knew. That your mess is blessed when you tell God yes. Your mess is blessed when you tell God yes. That's what she knew. She's like, it, my, it, my mess, it's gonna be a mess, but it's gonna be blessed when I tell God yes. You know what's worse? You know what makes things more messy? When you tell God no. It makes it worse. If I tell my kids, if I tell you know, my, my daughter Hannah, Hannah, your room's a mess. Go clean your room. I don't want to hear from her. Well, dad, let me pray about it. <laughs> you know, dad, um You know, I'm going to have some friends over and uh we're going to we're going to, you know, deep dive into that word clean. You know, we're just going to talk about it. I don't want to hear, Dad, you know, no, mm mm-mm. No, it's going to be be worse for her. (laughs) Like, if I tell her to go do something, whether she likes it or not, it's going to be worse for her if she gives me all these different excuses or all these different reasons of why she doesn't want to clean the room. Sometimes it's just go and clean the room. It's a mess. Put it back together. Why? Here's what Mary knew. Mary's like my mess is gonna be blessed, but I just tell God yes. Whatever that is, whether I like it or not, I'm just gonna tell God yes. God came to Abraham. Hey, Abraham, you know this is the first time worship is mentioned in the Bible? This is the first time worship is mentioned, and here's what, he's, here's what God said to Abraham. God, Abraham, I want you to take your son, your one and only son, and I want you to sacrifice him. And you know what Abraham told his son Isaac? Hey, Isaac, we're gonna go worship. That's for the first time worship is mentioned. Hey, Isaac, we're gonna go worship. Okay, Dad. You know what Isaac knew? I better just say yes. I don't know what Dad's gonna have me do here, but I'm gonna say yes. You know what Abraham did? Abraham's like, okay, God, I trust you. You tell me that I gotta do this, I'm going to say yes, even though I don't like it, even though I don't want to do it. And he went, took his son Isaac, built an altar. You know what Isaac did? Isaac was an older boy. You know what Isaac did? He became a living sacrifice. We think that sometimes maybe Abraham took Isaac and you know forced him down on the altar, and he was getting ready to drive a knife. You know, you know what Isaac did? Isaac, Isaac found out what he was there for. That Isaac was the one that was going to be the sacrifice, and he laid himself down on that altar, and Abraham was getting ready to drive that knife right through his son, his only son. And God stopped him and said, "Listen, I see where you're at. I see your faith. I see that you're you trust me. I see that your son is not your master; that I'm your master. I see that." You're you are a bondservant of the Most High. I see that now. And Isaac, and, and God, Isaac said, well, wh- where's going to be the sacrifice? And, I, and Abraham says, listen, God will provide. God will provide. He's my provision. Here's what Abraham knew. Here's what Isaac knew. Here's what Mary knew. Here's what everybody else that God blessed in Scripture knew. It's just better to say yes, even when it looks like a mess. Here's what Mary. We know this. Look at Mary says later on in, in verse forty-eight. For he has regard for the humble state of his bondslave. For for behold, from this time on, generations will count me blessed. And she says, she goes. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. She's I'm, whatever God wants. He's the mighty one, and I'm not. I'm just a humble slave and holy is his name whatever god says i'm going to do because i want to be blessed and how you get blessed in your mess is simply by just saying yes yes your mess here's what she, here's the other thing that she she knew your mess isn't god thinking of you any less Here's oftentimes what we think when we're in a messy situation, messy circumstances. God must be mad at me. I hear this all the time as a pastor. Pastor, why is God mad at me? What did I do? What did I do to deserve this? Listen, God isn't mad at you. Sometimes just things happen in life. Things are, listen, we live in a broken world. We live in a world of of, of sin and brokenness. We, things happen, things terrible things happen that you don't deserve and you didn't earn. it was n- none of that was, was your fault. It's none of it is your fault. And your mess isn't God thinking of you any less. Quit thinking that God is that kind of God. He's a, he's a perfect father who, who loves you unconditionally. He's not here to make you feel bad about yourself and tell you that because circumstances in your life aren't fair, that that's his way of getting your attention and and correcting you. Sometimes, listen, sometimes just things happen. And it doesn't mean that God is like, you know, oh, I don't know what to do either. I'm not sure. Well, how do I handle your, your deal? I, God is going. Listen, I'm aware of it. I know it. I allowed it. And and you're just gonna have to you're gonna have to work through it. But I'm gonna I'm gonna work through it with you. But here's what you need to know as you're working through that mess: is God isn't thinking of you any less. Again, what, what did he say to her? And coming in, he said to her, "Greetings, favored one." God knew it was going to get messy for her, but he wanted her to know that she's favored, that she is greatly graced. And God wanted her to know, and God wants you to know that whatever mess of a situation that you're in or whatever mess of a situation you're going to find yourself in, here's what you need to know. Hear me. The Lord is with you. You're not alone. You don't have to go through it alone. You got to know that the mighty one who has, by the way, you need to be reminded of this, who has done great things for you, he's with you. And just because you're going through it doesn't mean he thinks any less of you. Just because you're working and wading through difficulty, you're greatly graced. You know that? You're highly favored. So maybe that's the mindset change that you and I need to have as we go through this. Maybe the mindset is, I'm in it, I'm going through it, I don't like it, but I'm going to say yes to whatever it is that God wants me to go through. And as I go through it, I know, I know that he thinks I'm great. He thinks I'm amazing. And you are. You are incredible. And God loves you. Think about anything, any person in your life that loves you, that would do anything for you. God is better than that. Think about what parents, think about what you would do for your kids and the sacrifices that you have made for your kids, but you're an imperfect person, but you don't put your faith in an imperfect person. You put your faith in a perfect, loving father who is always with you in your mess. Mary's going, whatever it is that you got for me, God, I'm saying yes to. Whatever it is that you're gonna have me go through, God, I know that you love me no matter what, and you're not gonna leave me and you're not going to ever forsake me. Come on, you got to know that you have a God who will never walk away on you, who will never turn his back on you, who has not forgotten about you. You may think that God has put you on a shelf and set you off to the side and forgotten all about you, but i got news for you. He thinks of you all the time. He's constantly thinking about how he's got great things. In store for you. Your mess is, um, doesn't, God doesn't think of you any less. Your mess will never thwart God's progress. Your mess will never stop God from God doing what God wants to do. I mean, think about this. I mean, th- this, is, this, this is God's telling Mary, listen, I just want you to know that I'm, gonna, I'm doing this. I'm bringing my son in, into this world. And he's going to be the Savior. He's going to be on the throne forever. And I'm bringing this, and, I'm, and, and, and even in this mess, it's not going to stop what I want to do in this world. And he, told, he tells her, he says, listen, he says, and behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. Just, just so you know, just so you know, Mary, that I'm, nothing's gonna stop my progress here. I just want you to know that even your, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, she was once called barren and is now pregnant and in her sixth month. I just want you to know that whatever you think that I can't do, or I don't have the ability to do, that I can do whatever, because nothing will thwart my progress. And he tells her this. He says, for nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing. Whatever it is that you're going through, God's saying, listen, I can work through this. I can get you through this. Why? Because nothing will be impossible with God. Again, God to Abraham and Sarah Sarah laughed when she heard that she was going to be pregnant. And God says to Abraham and Sarah, is anything too difficult for the Lord? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? Is anything, come on, come on, think about your situation. Think about what your mess of a deal you're in. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? What if we asked ourselves that question as we're going through a messy deal? What if we said, is anything too difficult for God? Is anything too hard for God to work through and to help me through? No, no. Jeremiah said it this way. He says, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. Listen, even in your mess, it's not going to stop the progress that God wants to do in and through you. Nothing will stop. So what if we decided to be just like Mary and say, you know, God, I don't like it. I don't like what's going on in my life. I don't like where I'm going. I don't like where I'm heading. But listen, God, I'm your bond slave. And I'm your bond slave because I know that saying yes to you is better than saying no. It's better than saying no. And God, I'm your bond slave because I know that even though I go through the mess, you don't think anything any less of me. As a matter of fact, you think that I'm favored, greatly graced. And God, I'm your bond slave because, you know, you're God and I'm not. And you have great power. And by your outstretched arm, God, you made the heavens and the earth. And since you have the ability to make the heavens and the earth with your great power and your outstretched arm, God, you can handle my little deal. God, you can handle my emotions. God, you can handle, work through my my challenges and my difficulties and and my feeling of, of resentment and hurt and pain and loss. God, if you can, with your outstretched arms and your great power, create everything that we see around me, there's nothing too difficult for you. And I certainly don't have enough difficult things that he can't handle in my life or in yours. She was a bond slave. Whatever you say, God, you're my master, and I'll do. So I'm not going to tell you to be merry and bright. I know. You're like, I don't feel merry. I feel it feels messy. So I'm not going to tell you to be merry and bright. I'm going to just tell you to be merry and bright. You're like, that was, che- that was the cheesiest thing you've ever done. Here. I'm not going to ask you to cheer up. I'm not going to ask you to look at you, this Christmas season all merry and all bright. No, 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 no. But what I'm going to ask you to do is be like Mary and be bright. Because when you be like Mary, you're going to be bright. When you, when you're going through your mess and Christmas for you is messy, you should be like Mary. God? you're my master, and I'm your servant. And whatever you have me go through, I say yes. I say yes. God, I'm your servant and you're my master. Yet you love me like a perfect father. And you think I'm great. And you will never leave me. And God, regardless of what I do or don't do, or how I respond or don't respond, nothing will stop your progress. So I'm either going with the wind or I'm going against the wind. Can I recommend that you just go with the wind? It helps you. When you go against the wind, it hinders you. So be merry and you'll be bright too. Father, We just, in this time, in this season, we come around the messiness of Christmas. Family dynamics, emotional stress, financial burden, anxiety and angst, depression, grief, mourning. It's all so messy. But God, we're just here to say as your servants, we're here to say yes, yes. Whatever you ask, yes. Whatever you want, yes. Because we know that you don't think any less of us. We know as a matter of fact, you think highly of us. That we're highly favored. That we're greatly graced. And you never leave us. And God, you're going to do what you want to do because you're God and we are not. But you invite us, least likely, you invite us into your story. And we want to go with that current and we want to go with that wind. Because that's the best place to go. Because there's nothing that we can do to stop what you want to do. And God, is we're blessed when we join you in your story that you're still telling of redemption. Thank you for this day. Encourage each one today. Be with them, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. God bless you. Thanks for joining online.